with me You're not gonna do nothing You are not above me I bet you wish you was me I know it, I know Good morning, good morning, good morning Welcome everybody to the new time slot For the Only Friends podcast You know what? I might just do this. I, I think I might just move it to, to 8 a.m. A little tortoise time, if you will. Mm. No, this, nah, is not, this, is, this is not tortoise time. This is fucking Connie's time. Tortoise gets up early, but he needs like three hours to wake up. No, nah, I'm, I'm ready for this shit. This is I my move time. I'm slow in the morning. Oh, no, no. I love <laughs> this shit. <laughs> You've been up for 10 hours, probably. <laughs> nah, I got I've been up for about five. You move slow, you like say. Six, 6.15. <clears throat> yeah. Move but, slow. Wake up at 6. We're all out of bed. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can see LeBan not leaving. Sip, on some, co- sip on some coffee well, for about got, two you, hours. You got to make a slow drip mm-hmm. French press coffee. I didn't even. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now even, it's like seven fifteen. I didn't even. Get, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even get my walk in this, this morning. <laughs> How long does your walk take? Uh, I don't know. Three hours. <laughs> what is it? Quarter mile? I just go down to get the mail. <laughs> The snail mail, if you will. The snail mail. The, tortoise mail. Oh, man. Oh, this bit will never get old to me. Nope. Put your tortoises up in the chat if you're a member of the Solve for Why Nation. We appreciate you guys all so much for being here. Uh, we have a good show for you today. Not a great show because, you know, I haven't had my coffee yet. Uh, but it'll be, <laughs> it'll be a good show. Uh, we're going to talk about the Poker Go Tour Get caught up on that. The Super High Roller Bowl kicked off yesterday. We're also going to speak about the uh, Robbie Jade Lude interview with Poker News. Uh, if you guys recall, earlier last week, she had said that uh, she was advised not to speak publicly any longer. She was actually supposed to come on one of our call-in shows, um, but did decide to do the Poker News interview uh, yesterday. Uh, so we'll get into the finer details of that, as well as go over the uh, behavior panel. Um, for those of you who are unfamiliar, the Behavior Panel is a YouTube channel, very large. I think it has about 700,000 uh, followers. And they are behavioral experts who read body language in high-stress situations. Last week, they did a video on uh, the Hans Neiman chest scandal. This week, they're covering Robbie J. Lude and The Hand. Uh, so we're going to break that down a little bit for you all. Before we get started today, I want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor this week, Faded Spade. Uh, Our sponsor this week is the Faded Spade brand. Their new world-class 3.0 poker playing cards are now available. And viewers can use code ONLYFRIENDS for 15% off their order at Faded Spade. Also want to remind you guys that every Monday we have a new episode of Poker Out Loud that comes out. This week we are doing a small giveaway. So uh, we have... Nope, wrong one. The graphic I sent you with Landon? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Wait, do we have it? Probably not. Okay. You know what? We'll do that giveaway tomorrow. Don't even sweat it. But if you uh, check out our Twitter, uh, there will be a post up later this afternoon uh, discussing a spot from next week's Poker Out Loud where if you guys guess the hand that Landon is considering bluffing with, um, you guys will win a prize. You know, no big deal. It's the free month of Solve for Y TV. Yeah. He had deuces. He did not have deuces. <laughs> That's a good guess. That was a very, very good guess. It is usually deuces. Uh, shout out to Hish. Hish, I see you out there and I appreciate the super chat, but the fact you're not a member yet, 
a little offended. It's not true. Gonna lie. I'm it's a little true. offended. I'm going to shame yeah. you the same way I shamed Apollo until he bought one. Don't you want to put up the tortoise? Yeah. The tortoise emote? You, you could have just bought two months of uh, of a membership with that super chat. You that is true. But what up, Hish? <laughs> <laughs> but hey, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Non-member. <laughs> he just throws us $10 and we shame his ass. <laughs> I mean, to be clear, Hish is a, a very good friend and welcome uh, to join us on the pod anytime he's in town. Absolutely. Uh, we appreciate this man a lot. Uh, okay, so let's get to the the breakdowns because, frankly, I don't have a lot of time. I can't miss my flight this time. Uh, I'm <laughs> headed to LA. We need you. We need you to be in there making money. Yeah, so this is the second week in a row. Last week, I completely missed the game. Uh, I have a friend from Texas, Don, who... Is itching to gamble. And he's the kind of man that I'm itching to gamble with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he asked me to set a game up for him last Friday. I did, thanks to this breaking news on uh, what happened last week on the Hustler stream. I ended up missing that game. Uh, played through the night. They never fucking play off stream, just to give you an idea of how rare that is. Uh, so I'm sure I missed a good one. That's sad. We're, uh, he's back in town now. Uh, so we're going to play today and tomorrow on Live at the Bike. Uh, and then possibly next Monday uh, with Polk. This hasn't been announced yet, so I'm not sure if it's actually happening or not. But that, Breaking news. That has been uh, <laughs> in the works. We'll see. Um, Jeffrey Goodman says, let me know where I can contact you, RE Lodge Cheating. Well, I don't know how to respond to that. I don't want to just start throwing. You can DM me on any social, man. My DMs are open, sir. At the moment, I'm fucking free for conspiracy theories, so uh, you can email me at conradsimpson at softwarewideacademy.com. Thank wow, you. Wow, I can't believe you just put that out there. He is about Damn. to get so many dicks. Uh, oh, oh, man. Oh, no, don't put that out there. So... What the fuck is wrong with you? I put my email address in the chat, and I got nothing outrageous. You know, oh I just God. got, like, normal conspiracy theories. The amount of dicks you're about to receive. If anybody says me a dick, I'm going to let you know I will find you, and I will kill you. <laughs> Okay, I'm just letting you know now. Theoretically, um, yeah. No, 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 no. Seriously, <laughs> I think you can say that. Oh, you can. Just, <laughs> you just people, people start turning up dead. Somebody's <laughs> all of a sudden a suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, Tour is kicking off the Super High Roller Bowl yesterday. Uh, they had 24 players show up, creating a prize pool of. Hold on, let me do a little math. Six point eight million dollars. Nope, that's 7. not even 4. right. 7.2? 7. 7.2. 7. 7.2 yeah. sounds right. 24 times 3. Yeah. Uh, so 7.2 in the prize pool. 14 remain of the 24. My man Lucky Chewy's in there. Chewy, He's still let's in the go. Mix. He's still in the mix. Look, 10 people busted. Uh, look at Chewy stacking his 500K. I go, hmm, that seems like one and a half starting stacks. That's, that's probably okay, but like, you know, half the field's gone, whatever. And then I look, that's 100 fucking big blinds. That's a lot. D-Nags is chipping with like 330 bigs. Mm-hmm. You're playing some deep stack poker. Yeah, this is not the, the high roller structure that I'm accustomed to. Uh, so 3.2 up top, give or take. Four people pay, so there's still a lot of the field to whittle down. Um, I believe they resume play today at 1 p.m. D-Nags, as I mentioned, is coming back as the chip leader. And part of that has to do with a little poker justice. Yeah. <laughs> You, you feel that tractor beam, that lure, well, wanting to be out there as we see Kenny picking up the aces? 
Well, hold that thought. I mean, BK here with the aces. But uh, just the short answer is no. Of course, I love playing, but uh, I love being in here with you too, pal. I mean, you know, collect the ideas for a few days and just observe the proceedings. It's uh, it's a nice way to spend an afternoon. Batsy Akuski was a, with a pretty one next door. Low jack, high jack here. He's just gone. Note the proceedings. Collect the ideas. Well, Orpin and Chidwick out. On the topic of those ideas, how much variance do you see? Negreanu's going to defend here with the pocket threes in terms of ideologies out there. Check. Top set against a wheel draw here. We'll get to the question momentarily. In the meantime, one would presume we're going to see some added streets as Kenny flings 5K out there. Looks like Daniel toying with Rays comes with call. Seemingly prudent. Neither player with a spade oh, and the man. three of spades is very bad news for Daniel. Perhaps some relief given that it does present flush and straights on the board, but he comes out swinging. And to be fair, this is not exactly a great card for Kenny. Well said, Ali. Indeed does come out swinging. Kenny with a little look back. Goes for call. Oh my God. Quad threes, runner, runner. This is a 990 to one shot. Oh man. I, Unbelievably I, uh... <laughs> improbable. Oof. And that's gonna be it for Sensei Kenny. Yes. Granted, quads and a straight flush are available, but we have aces full, Nick. Uh, you know, the, uh, let's see. Uh, indeed, it does appear to be the end for, for Sensei Kenny, but let us just observe what a run out this is, Ali, as you said, 990 to 1, some odd. Are there worlds in which, given how deep they are, and granted it's a touch premature, we know the they're raise is inbound that, from Kenny. They're not that deep, though. It's only it's only 110 BVs to start. Listen, you mentioned the straight flush as well. After the ensuing rejam, I don't think Bryn is going to love it. So there are possibly worlds where you, you rise up and just say, is he really doing this with a hand worse than Aces full? But uh, only 97,000 back though. I think this one is just a wrap for Bryn. My goodness. Start the bus. All in. And you see Bryn, he has the Aces full uh, and isn't snap calling because he recognizes it's the third nuts. I guess I have the third nuts. Oh, there you go, Ollie. Call. This is disgusting. Jeez. GG, sir. Appears that he's covered. I mean. Sick. So I got 100. Bryn Kenny by. It's 200. Not a huge. Get him out. <laughs> Get him out. <laughs> you know, I was going to make a tortoise joke about how, uh,
<laughs> the, the, the five deuce of spades is out there. And sure. The girl should be, you know, a little careful. But then actually, <laughs> they're talking about how you know, Prince like, is like, I got the third nuts here, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I should fold. Well, only D Nice could have five deuce of spades oh, defending big. But, yeah. Uh, right. And quad threes should be like almost. It should be pretty close to I, I, zero. I don't. If I was Negrano, I would have just called Kenny's race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never too careful, tortoise. I mean, you gotta Never protect your careful. tournament life. I mean, you know, right. five deuce of spades is just out there. So obviously, you're folding in Brin's spot. Oh, That's snap! Like fold. Yeah, close. Yeah, pre-flop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably could have used. Uh, He's the shaman on that one. Oh, There's no rebuys in this, right? No. No, he's, no, he's, he's gone. Out of here. Out of here. You're out. Yeah, that's uh that's that's a tough one, man. I yeah. What I'm realizing is uh when it comes to when it comes to this game and the cruel way in which it can treat you, uh the misconceptions that can be optically presented uh from the observer to the actual player and things of that nature. I have no sympathy <laughs> or empathy for uh like my male peers in this in this space there's the, like i'm realizing this as we dig into the robbie uh robbie j blue stuff where it's like i'll see her on camera and i'll just be like man like she came across really great like i i feel so awful that she's getting dragged through all this stuff and then i watch a hand like that and my heart skips a beat a little bit <laughs> to see Bryn just get fucking waxed on a one in a thousand spot. Uh, it's just like, I, you know, I was thinking about this. I was going to save this part of the conversation for a little bit later. But like if if this hand between Garrett and Robbie were instead a hand between Garrett and Rip, I don't think at any point I would sway off of the something isn't right narrative but i find myself ping-ponging back and forth over and over again because um every time she speaks i have one of two reactions like i either think that was sus as fuck or i think wow she came off great i feel awful that she's in this scenario and there's just like this extended level of empathy to a woman being in this spot as opposed to a man and it's like you know i assume that from what I've seen anyway, her and Rip are probably equal caliber when it comes to ability in this game. Mm -hmm. And I just know for a fact that if roles were reversed, we would just have the pitchforks out if, if this were Rip versus Garrett. Like, no way, no <laughs> fucking way Garrett gets torn down. No fucking way. Right, no. there's just no shot in hell that people would be crucifying Garrett if it were Rip on the other side of this hand, they would just be like, I don't know what happened, but I trust this man. I trust this man to have made a good decision in saying that this other man is cheating. That's not even that I trust him. I trust my goddamn self. Well, I, we shouldn't trust our eyes. That's, that's for sure. And that's, that's what I'm really coming to learn as I, uh, as I dig through this. And I think that, that example with the quads is, is a good one, right? Like you see things out of context that happen once in a blue moon. And you think to yourself, like, oh, well, that's just, that's just not a thing. In, like, one of the biggest tournaments Correct. of the year. It's, 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 this, I'm sure, like, hands like that happen online every day. Yeah. Right? But it's yeah. in, you know, it's in, it's in the you have the context. 50 game. Yeah, we're we're talking game. about a card right. run out that right. versus a yeah, human. Yeah, that's a such fucking human, run out, bro. <laughs> yes, sure. But versus a human element of calling. Like, I think these are two completely different things that cannot be 
they are they are factually and they are i guess of course uh, they're different fundamentally but to the eye right it's it's you have to understand the context that we're we're laying this out conrad it's it's more so to the observer what would lead you to believe mm -hmm. something is not right like just watching that like i know it gotcha. nothing's going on i know nothing's going on but like in like like a quick in the back of my mind it was just like did British get set up here? <laughs> like, right. I know he didn't. I know he didn't. But yeah, like, uh, it's just like, wow, how does that happen in this spot? Coincidences really, really uh, are difficult for us to process as people. Humans are terrible at it. Right? When Doug and Daniel had the beef, like, mm -hmm. it had just hit its apex when the Super mm -hmm. High Roller Bowl 2018, maybe, or 17, uh, kicked off. And Doug gets seated right next to Daniel. And we're just like, this is rigged. Yeah. Like, this is rigged. Mm -hmm. This is obviously rigged. Mm -hmm. But it's, it was a, it was a seven table tournament, yeah. I think. Uh, so it's like, you know, you have a reasonable chance. Yeah. So, so many things happen in your life throughout, you know, throughout years that like when something weird happens, you have to like, you have to think that, oh, wait. There's there's something behind it, right? It's like it's well, like we when want there to always be a, right, a why, right? It's like when there's when there's like a you know coincidence happens, people think oh it's divine intervention or something like that. When it's just it's just you know these things are bound to happen throughout your life. Yeah, well, bound to is not bound to, but I but understand what you're saying. Statistically, weird shit's gonna happen. Right. It's it's not that it's bound to happen to your life. It's more so that statistically speaking, it's bound to happen. Right. And if, if you happen to be the person who experiences it. Then it uh, feels like. Right. Yeah. You, you are quote unquote deemed lucky. Right. Right. Exactly. But uh, that's just because we have a poor definition of luck. Right. Luck just quantifies uh, a chance happening that mm -hmm. is low probability. And we equate it to something positive. But uh, that's just not true. Yeah. You know, um, I'll be lucky if I go my entire life without a car accident. But uh i would also be quote unquote lucky if i jumped out of a plane and my parachute didn't open right it's just a really rare occurrence I'm lucky yeah that, that's what i mean like right. we we've created a positive connotation to the term lucky Luck. right yeah. but really what we're just speaking to is variance as a yeah, whole variance and, and it's positive and, negative right uh so instead we use lucky unlucky but uh really lucky unlucky are, are synonymous they, they effectively thing. mean right. the same thing exactly um I wanted, I wanted to... Oh, hold on a second. Breaking news. Got a text. Oh, boy. Oh, man. I do right want, on air, huh? Uh, he's reading it. As that goes on, I do want to say, like, if there comes out to be no evidence or anything down the road or whatever, mm -hmm. and I have to write an apology to what I wrote, I'm going to be so fucking mad. Oh, don't worry. You'll do it, though. Right? <laughs> I'll do it. Absolutely. Don't, don't, 100%. Don't worry. Uh, the beauty is, Conrad, nobody cares what you have to say. I know. <laughs> uh, that is true. But it, still, at the same time, I will have to do it. Yeah, that, that's, that's big of you. Um, you know, I, I, would, I would probably feel inclined to apologize as well, although I, I will say that uh, what I realize, both having contact with Robbie and Garrett, is that when we come on the mic every single day, I, I, don't truly, I truly don't come on here with an objective. I, I don't try to delay a case one way or the other. It's, it's more so like whatever the story is that day, it's gonna slant the conversation ever so slightly. But what I realize having contact with both of them is that uh, each day that we come on, they both think or, or something that is said uh, 
kind of like registers with them that we're against, right? Uh, for both sides. So like, from my perspective, that means I think we're, we're approaching this the right way and trying to remain as close to as objective as possible. Now I've stated many times, like a lot of things don't pass the eye test for me, but that's just my opinion. You know, my eye test isn't necessarily that much better than, than anybody else's. And for a lot of others, they'll just be able to explain it away or whatever the case may be. I'm super open to all outcomes, but regardless of what the final solution is, um, I think as an outlet that's been kind of forced to cover this, and this, this does feel kind of weird because it's like, could you ever imagine the local news apologizing for uh, covering both sides of a story and then it ultimately proving to be one or the other? <laughs> but <laughs> because we're members of the community and the people that we're covering are also like largely members of this community and peers of ours, I think that it will always have to be a message that uh, we have ready to be uh, launched at the end, regardless of what the outcome is, right? Mm -hmm. Like if, if it's proven no cheating, then there's going to be an apology uh, dedicated to Robbie. If it's proven that uh, she was out of line, then there's going to be a, a slight apology to Garrett. And I, I just think that's like the right approach as a whole, because it's like, it gives us permission, I think, to, to explore these narratives moving forward. And that's something that I think is very, very critical. Uh, I think Melissa's points yesterday were very valid in saying that, well, it's just a lot of people talking into the void now and shouting their side. And I, I do think it's devolved to that. Like mm -hmm. we've kind of gotten to the point now where uh, we're really trusting the hustler, um, the hustler investigation to, to arrive at some answers. And uh, now whatever side you're on, you're just going to delve into the conspiracies to explain away uh, why it is or isn't what you believe it to be. Um, but I think the conversation being aired out publicly, though very bad for both parties involved, is very good for the overall community, right? Uh, a lot of good will come from this, in my opinion. I think protocols will get stricter on live streams. Uh, I think the backend securities will increase. Uh, I know just from my perspective alone, it's, it's greatly strengthened my relationship with these operators uh, who are utilizing streams, be it the houses themselves, the uh, manufacturers such as Andrew Milner at, at uh, PokerGFX, Manit at, um, oh, I can't remember the name of his product, but. RF. Uh, yeah, that's why I didn't RF say Labs? <laughs> I think so. Don't worry, I'm here for you. Yeah, but I, 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 I was on the same page, but I wasn't positive, <laughs> so I didn't want to throw it out there. That's why I'm here for you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so yeah, like, that, that's just, I'm one of one, right? Like, so the community as a whole, like, I, I imagine moving forward, these strides are going to be significant. Uh, and more importantly, like it's allowed us to start to, to impart a little bit of grace with this stuff, though there is this uh, whole undercurrent of uh, misogyny when it comes to discussing this, this conversation. And, uh, you know, we saw a lot of it in the, in the general populace mm -hmm. that have no, no knowledge of poker whatsoever talking about it. Um, there's been like two camps and in my opinion like they're both uh heavily biased one way or the other there's you know the what whatever i don't want to get into it but like the feminist twitter that was basically calling G garrett a crybaby and then there's the whole other side of bros that are are just like uh you know defending or whatever um that all aside i think our community has actually been quite open-minded and mm -hmm. i've just seen endless conversations begin with i can't be sure Right. right. And that's 
That's a humbling thing on the Twitterverse. Mm-hmm. You yeah, don't well, see I it think, often. I think, like, on our, on our podcast, we everyone has varying degrees of, you know, opinions and where, where we stand. But, like, as the podcast as a whole, we're pretty much pretty objective and kind of down the middle where, where, where we think things lie. Yeah. I mean, hopefully that's the goal. I don't know that we actually achieve it all the time, but, yeah. you know, we're all fallible, too. <laughs> right. Um, that kind of brings me into a post that Melanie Wisner wrote uh, a couple of days ago. I just saw it yesterday, and I happened to retweet it. But uh, I, I thought she did a great job, uh, not necessarily making a case. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think she does a great job making a case for innocence. Um, but I also just think that this thread as a whole applies to the rhetoric around the conversation as, uh, as far as like probabilistic thinking goes. And um, you know, I think she could have wrote this exact same thread as to why uh, there's some degree of confidence that the hand is sus. And, uh, you know, just to kind of break it down in, in sequential order, she kind of says, uh, I have high confidence that Robbie J. Lou did not cheat. Um, and some here, here are some more fully formed thoughts on psychology and uh, probability below. It's the probability element that is most interested, interesting to me, um, but I'll, I'll breeze through this really quickly. Uh, so she says, for, fun, or for non-poker players, while it's a fun narrative, she did not read her opponent for the exact hand he had. This rarely happens in poker, and correct even more rarely. The hand is controversial. Her hand should almost never beat his, even if she does think he's bluffing. Uh, I think this is a really key point, because this is what the mainstream media cling to. And uh, Melanie's right to point out that uh, this is not a hero's journey. This is not a celebration of a soul read or anything along no. those lines. And when... I, when, I, when I find Robbie leaning into the rhetoric of I read his soul, I played the man type of nonsense, that's when she becomes discredited in my mind. But when she's humble and removes that and just says things to the effect of like, I thought I had Jack three, I was actually embarrassed to win with the hand that I had, that's why I felt inclined. Now I really, whether she's telling the truth or not, she, I buy in. Mm-hmm. I buy in pretty hard because it's just like she comes across very empathetic and uh very soft and it's easy to be manipulated by what sorry manipulate is the wrong word because that implies malice uh it's easy to be uh persuaded or influenced by that sort of um presentation right so uh we'll discuss the poker news interview in a bit but in general i thought she came off remarkably well in in this interview uh roughly 30 minutes story was very concise and consistent with uh, some of the other things that she had said in the past. Um, we'll kind of poke holes in a few, but uh, I think it's just like worth noting off the jump that I thought she came across really, really uh, likable. Um, back to the Melanie uh, tweet, she says, novices often rely on instinct. They don't always have uh, consistently logical thought processes. I've witnessed several hands where beginners explain themselves. I thought he was bluffing or I wanted to see his hand despite not being able to beat a bluff. Uh, those looking to prove Robbie's guilt by saying her play does not make sense. Forget the poker is built on an ecosystem where those that make good decisions win money off of those who don't. This is also a good point and one that's been thrown around a lot of like stop trying to logic out an illogical, irrational spot. And that I wholeheartedly agree with. Uh, but this is the part also where I think that uh, this thread could go in either direction. So uh whenever you say that um the probability of her cheating coupled with 
the probability that uh, there aren't any other instances that stick out like a sore thumb mean that there's almost a, it's an infinitesimal, infinitesimal, it's very small. <laughs> I was even laughing at you. It was just really bad timing right no, there. No, it's fine because uh, you have every right to, to laugh at me. I'm literally looking at the word and still can't pronounce it. So uh, I deserve to get clowned on for this one. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's an incredibly small likelihood of cheating, uh, just combining those, those outcomes together. But you can go the other way and say, uh, this hand is such a red flag by comparison to all other hands that not only she played, but anyone in the world has ever played. Uh, and you can find almost no other instances of a hand like this occurring that that outlier in and of itself is, uh, it, it increases the probability of uh, some form of cheating to go through the roof. And that's why I think like the two narratives that are gaining the most traction are either she misread her hand and had Jack three, or she solely cheated this exact hand, right? Uh, and I think that's important. I, I, I think Melanie does a great job of uh, outlining why she believes it was the former. Um, and more importantly, I think she speaks to math terms where she says, uh, you know, with that in mind, there's the question of choice to use flip equity uh, value hand to her powers. While this does add uh, an element to the whole accusation, it's important to remember stupidity is exactly what gets people caught. I, I think that this is a flimsy argument uh, trying to, th this kind of contradicts the don't apply logic or rationality to an irrational situation. Uh, you can't suddenly say then like uh, you have to imply intelligence to uh, a, a scenario where like you don't have to be intelligent to necessarily cheat. So I think this contradicts a little bit. Um, but I think her overall statement of, uh, you know, the probability that uh, this hand is a one-off uh, cheating scenario coupled with the fact that um, she knows either the outcomes of the cards or the, the whole cards of her opposition uh, make this incredibly small. Uh, and I, I think that's a relatively fair statement. Uh, she then goes on into the psychology of, um, you know, why, why is uh, Robbie's story so inconsistent? Uh, is this a smoking gun? Uh, and she basically dismisses that by saying, no, false confessions uh, are documented. Um, it, it's a documented extreme example of this phenomenon. Uh, and, you know, we kind of mentioned this throughout the last week where we do see that you, you brought this up, Ryan, where uh, you see this a lot in confessions. Uh, when people are being interrogated mm -hmm. and things of that nature. So, yeah, I agree. Like, uh, my vantage point from this entire, the entire time this has been going on is to try to remove as much of the noise as possible. Forget about all of the rhetoric. Forget about uh, the back and forth, the changing of demeanor from, uh, you know, not wanting to show the hand to dunking on Garrett after the fact. Forget about the fact that for an hour and a half or two hours, she was like kind of, claiming the jack four and then walked that back and said she thought she had jack three. Forget about all that because it's just kind of a distraction to the greater point in hand. What we actually have is just a one-off hand that is shockingly impossible and rare. And now we are at a point where we just have to decide, is it more probable that something malfunctioned in her brain or, uh, or she misread her hand, wh whatever, like some, something on user error side led to this occurrence or 
is it more likely that she had privileged information on her opponent's hand? I truly don't know. Mm-hmm. I truly don't know. Conrad knows, but <laughs> I don't know. Conrad I mean, knows. All I know is I have time. You do have all the time in the world. Keep digging, man. Keep I have digging. time. I'm going to use my time. Sure. Time bank. She used her time, too. That's, uh, that's, that's the next thing people are exploring. That's the next thread that's getting tugged on is how did she perform in uh, time bank decisions? Yeah. I watched all the footage. I'm pretty sure in the first two sessions, she maybe only used like one or two time banks, if I recall. Uh, maybe none. Uh, the only the only hand I can even think of where she may have was the Ace King versus King Six versus Garrett. I think she might have used a River Time Bank. I'm pretty sure she did. Man, I really wish Garrett just got the fuck up. Just like just whatever. Just stayed there. Whatever. Let the day go on. Let the time go on. Let this play out another couple more times. We get more hands. We see more things. I hate that he got off the table at that moment. Well, I know he has to and all, but like. It's not even just that. I mean, she doesn't she doesn't have to continue cheating if she was cheating. She just yeah. had 150k windfall. Yeah, but just bag uh, it. Nah. Ah, you just lock it up and nah, bag it. The way I see this, multiple people might be involved. That's not enough money. Mm-hmm. That's like 35. Now she can double piece. that up, you know, because they're gonna all kind of cover. Oh, her. guess mm-hmm. what? You want to come play next week? Oh, awesome! Great. Oh, let's let's see how. Oh, this can be a fucking eight-figure score. Jesus Christ! Like, this, this shit going on. I mean, I, mean, you're, you're, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm losing you're my reaching. mind. You're reaching. Yeah, I'm losing my mind. Uh, shout out to J33W. He says, I think she cheated. I also believe she put him on ace high, knowing she'd win spiking a jack or four on the river if she, if signaled she'd win. Well, that kind of contradicts. Uh, she, she didn't spike a jack or four. Uh, ace high would have been good there. Uh, Deckmate two shufflers can get- show uh, which seat wins run out. I, I think it's been confirmed they don't have a deckmate too, though. I'm unsure. Uh, I, I'm not positive of that, but I've, I'm pretty sure that either Ryan or Nick confirmed that they have a deckmate one, which, uh, to my understanding, is it doesn't have the camera in it, so it doesn't have the sorting capabilities. There's somebody yelling in the chat about this Lewis that works at Hustler, and I think there's two different Lewises. There- one that works as a floor and one that works as a tech. Yeah, and uh, from what I understand about the IT tech guy, he wouldn't have access to any of this okay. unless like they had some sort of problem. Which, uh, if that like if they happen to have a problem on the IT side, where like he had to go in the server room and correct some things or whatever the day of or the day before or a couple of days before, yep. that's all going to get sussed out in in the uh, investigation. I think. Yeah. Uh, okay, so. Let's get to, wow, we don't have a lot of time. Uh, yeah, we have some time. Let's get to the Poker News uh, article. I'm going to skip over some of my notes, but um, I want to go through, I have a couple, uh, a couple of clips that I want to play. Um, so first and foremost, uh, the article kicks off and Chad asked some really good questions. He asked a lot of the questions that uh, we've all been asking. And honestly, like a lot of the same questions that Robbie has been asked uh, throughout the last week anyway. Um, but the first one that he asked that I thought was interesting was uh, about Rip, and he wanted to to talk about her relationship with him. Uh, she said that they met in private games um, and that he stakes many undisclosed players. Uh, off the jump, I was a little sus of, of, of this kind of exchange. Uh, I'm very tapped into the high-stakes scene. I'm very tapped into the private game scene. Uh, I've had a couple... 
um, very well-known private game players, uh, fun players reach out and tell me stories of their interactions with Robbie. Uh, none of them involve private gaming uh, and none of them seem to corroborate meeting either her or Rip in the private sector. Uh, the private sector seems off. They're not lawyers. Uh, but uh, the, the, the private LA scene, let's call it that way. Um, every, everyone that I spoke to, uh, their experience was with Robbie at the bike in like an open game. Um, that's not to say that, you know, there aren't private games that I'm not privy to the information of. Uh, it, it just seems somebody like Rip would be someone that I would be quite familiar with through the private games um, or public games, whatever. Like, you know, this guy's going to get a seat anywhere he goes. Uh, it, it's rare to just like keep a low profile whenever you're someone that they'll build a game around. Um, but nevertheless, uh, that's how they met and uh, he was interested in backing her. Um, Chad asked a follow-up question uh, that I don't recall off the top of my head right now. I think he, I think he kind of pressed a little bit on the how did you guys arrive at a staking deal type of thing. And the conversation kind of got rerouted a bit uh, into Rip's reaction over Garrett paying back the money, which is understandable um, because I think that's when it was exposed to the public that they obviously had a working relationship. We kind of all figured that out. Um, she spoke a little bit about playing this high this high stakes with guys like Ivy and G-Man uh, for the first time. Uh, and she kind of gave the textbook answer whenever it comes to money. Like, uh, it doesn't matter if I'm playing 1-2 or 200 400. Uh, the, the game is the game. I, I, I play my game uh, the way I should. And honestly, like, the answer makes a lot of sense if she's a seasoned vet, if she's very well studied, if she's theoretically sound. Um, I haven't quite seen enough of her play to, to decide if it's possible that she's pretty theoretically sound, uh, but it's a weird thing that's occurring, right? Because her best defense is that she is an amateur and made a mistake, a huge mistake in, a, in the biggest part of her life. But uh, a, lot of her, a lot of her interviews and uh, discussions are kind of centered around uh, like almost like protecting her ego whenever it comes around the skill set that she possesses in poker. Uh, it's clear to me that she very much wants to be seen as good. And that's fine, but if you're seeing, like, you have to kind of understand that if, if you want to be perceived as good, uh, like, very good, good enough to sit in that game, then you're more probable to have cheated. <laughs> uh, it's kind of that, like, no, if a good player had played this hand, if that's Andy on the other side, yeah, for sure. He's in poker jail. Right. Like, there is no fucking chance. Right. Because we know he would never play his hand that way. Yeah. Like, right. unless he had knowledge, of, you know. Right. Right. Uh, it's just, you know, uh, the easiest way to explain it is sometimes you get to the turn with a hand that only had a hope and a prayer, really had the turn perfect mm -hmm. to even consider. <clears throat> continuing another street and when you miss you have a very easy decision not like a most of the time decision but just like a non like a non-decision it's it's just trivial especially when, you, when your opponent bets pot into you right <laughs> right it's like it, it's like you wouldn't even have a decision you truly would not have a decision if he had bet one big blind 
it's right. still a trivial fold. <laughs> right. Right. So it's like, if that's true, <laughs> when facing pot on a paired board, yeah. we, we don't, we don't have another alternative. And that's, I think, the problem that we're I mean, all you having. Can click it back, call. Sure, sure. Uh, and, and here's Seems the thing, like, here's the thing. I know the, the, the argument against uh, pointing fingers at this hand is that, uh, well, you shouldn't apply logic to an illogical spot, right? And that's fine. Uh, I won't apply logic to an illogical spot in the sense that I don't think clicking it back is ever a thing. I don't think it's good by any stretch of the imagination. And I think that to be true of even if she had a three. Um, however, I can accept that high pressure situations devolve into irrational action, mm -hmm. right? I can totally accept that somebody would just spaz out, lose their fucking mind, and min raise jack four or jack three on the turn. Either or. I can accept that. I can accept that reality exists because I know mistakes are made and I know illogical things occur all the time that I have no explanation for. Right. What I can't accept is the response to a shove being call. <laughs> I just can't get there. I just cannot. I mean, if it were Jack three, I guess I could talk myself into it. Yeah. And that's the great divide. That's the great unknown that we, we are kind of operating off of. Um, from this point forward, they start to talk about the hand a lot. Uh, and at, at this point, um, this is probably the only pushback that I'll have on the interview. Uh, everything thereafter, I think she came off really well. And it's really the difference between, uh, which makes sense, right? My pushback is her trying to explain away the hand and uh, me coming full circle and like really empathizing with her as uh, somebody who's getting uh, kind of like dragged through this is her explaining all of the aftermath and how it impacted her. Like my heart goes out to her whenever that part comes out and it's just like, you totally forget about the fact that this wild fucking hand was just played on TV. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so whenever they were digging through the hand, uh, she kind of justified preflop as, uh, you know, sometimes she just plays off a feeling and she just had a, a good feeling about this one kind of thing. Flimsy, but okay, whatever. Um, the flop was very standard. Uh, she basically said like, you know, three to straight through to flush, always going to be calling here in the spot. And I, I, I mostly agree uh, facing small bet. Turn, she says, uh, she clicked it back because she thought she had a three, which is what allowed to arrive her to a call. Uh, and that's fine. I, I think that, you know, you, I don't think you're thinking that in real time. You're not thinking that many steps ahead, obviously. And this is, uh, this is a hindsight um, explanation of the spot. So it's by far the most logical one uh to to arrive at but uh where i i struggle a little bit is the the look back to see if she had the jack of clubs we we've looked at the video so many different ways and so many different times there are multiple lookbacks and they're long and they're a double card peel for sure it'd be almost impossible to ignore that you have a four under there but hey maybe uh maybe her eyes deceived her i, I don't know something else i saw about that like when those cards get flipped over on their back yeah the four was on top Mm. Apparently, okay. Somebody's. I'm, I'm not. A, I'm pretty sure I just saw that yet last night that the four was on top. So it's like, hmm. yeah, that would mean that uh, you'd have to work extra hard mm -hmm. to get to just the jack. Yeah. Um, at fourteen ten, 
uh, Chad asks her, why did you call off then? And I thought her interest, uh, I thought her explanation here was interesting. So uh, that's going to be the first timestamp that we pull up. Pause for a little bit and then end up calling off. Um, what, uh, you know, what led you to decide to call off there? Multiple things were happening in my brain right then. One, I was like, he absolutely doesn't have it. He wouldn't be jamming. If he's sitting with, you know, a, a 10 and a trip 10s, or if he's sitting with whatever, a set, if he's even sitting with top pair, I, I didn't see him jamming on me there. I saw him jamming with either ace high, which I was thinking because I thought I was holding a three, or that was a very upper, like that was the best thing I was giving him right then, or a draw that was missed right after the flop. The other um, reason I also was like thinking like, one, he's done this to me before with like middle to low pair. Um, and secondary to that as well was that, you know, I was already $38,000 in. As you'll notice, I showed up to the table with $240,000 roughly. I put 140 to the side and 100 on the table. The reason that I did that, I didn't play with my full stack at the table, is for incidences like this. If I came across an all-in situation, I'm in for 30-something thousand dollars as it is, you know, how, how much am I going to lose? Uh, I, I, I can make this go the whole way and 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 hope for the very best i still have 140 sitting next to me and that's the reason i divided it or i can just give up what's already in the pot right now and i thought about it i'm like i i just wasn't ready to give it up for this particular hand against him so there was a there was multiple things happening here i was playing the man because i just knew that he i just knew in my heart that he did not have it i just i just freaking knew it i just knew it and that was number one number two is i'm thinking even if he does have it, I'm I'm going to run it twice, see what happens. And I mean, how much? And I hate to say it, I know the value of a dollar, but I was willing to take the risk with 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 running it twice and seeing what happened ultimately at the end, um, and just risking the rest of my money because I had that second stack sitting next to me. And um, let me see, like I think those are the things that 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 I was ultimately thinking. I was already in my brain. And I had a bluff catcher, and I did not think he had it. So there's a few things to unpack there. Uh, first of all, um, she deduces that he's capped it ace high and ace high only, uh, which is weird, but okay. Uh, I mean, it, you know, again, I think that's hindsight talking. Uh, it's kind of crazy to just put somebody on ace high or worse in mm -hmm. the moment there. Um, but, you know, people do that all the time where they try to make believe that their hand is good because they want it to be good. And uh, the, the, the counter is then to fill in the void of all the hands that they beat. Uh, okay, so it's like, uh, okay, like, let's go down that narrative. Where it starts to crumble for me is when she starts to explain away all the things that he can't have and why he wouldn't do that. And it's not even the hands that she chooses. It's the language that she chooses. Like this, again, this makes a great case for her not cheating as far as like being so amateurish that she can't even get the language right. right. But it greatly contradicts her wanting to puff her chest and, and claim talent at this game, right? So she claims that he couldn't ha even have top pair. It's 10-10-9. What, what would we ever refer to as top pair on this board? Right, uh, yeah. Nobody would ever use that term, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you would either specifically say a nine or an over pair, uh, but there is no top pair. Right. There's top trips. Right. Uh, and then she refers to um, saying like he can't have a 10 or even a set. And again, no, like this there's is no such set. a common, right. common mistake yeah. 
that beginners will make in the language where either they'll refer to trips as a set or they'll refer to uh, an underhouse or an overhouse as a set, as a set right. not recognizing that they have two very distinct different values, right? So uh, if she's basically saying he couldn't have nines or threes, um, fine. But, you know, almost anybody who's good at the actually literally everybody who's good at this game would say he wouldn't do this with a full house because it just it's it's more descriptive it uh embodies both combinations of the hands uh you know saying set there means to me it's reaching it's just, it's just like reaching for terms and again i think that this strengthens the argument that uh she didn't cheat um, I just think it discredits her desire to be viewed as uh, some well, sort of like well, elite you can, player. You can be really amateur-ish and still have the desire to be a great player and think you are want to be. You know what yeah, I, mean? I agree so with like you. Those things, I just, those both, both those things can exist. I agree that they can coexist. I just personally, if I were in a situation where I would be, was being accused of cheating... Uh, yeah, I, you, I would set you, my you ego put your aside. hands up and say, okay, listen, yeah, I, I'm not very good. Right, like, I yeah. would certainly be setting my ego aside in yeah. that spot and leaning heavily into right. the fact that, like, oh, people mm -hmm. believe me because they think I'm an amateur. Like, oh, God, I stink. Yeah. That type of stuff. But, like, I've just noticed so many inconsistencies in, uh, I mean, we were, we were streaming the other day, and I kept defending her uh, in the spot by saying she was a novice. And then she texts Christian <laughs> and said, I'm good at poker, you assholes. Yeah. And it's like, well, what the fuck are we doing then? <laughs> yeah. If you're good at poker, right. then string string it up. Mm -hmm. Like, this is cheating then. Like, yeah. no one good at poker makes these mistakes. Right. It's it's not possible. And it's saying saying that he, he can't have a 10 there, trying to say he can't have a 10 there. I'm like, he can obviously have a 10 there a sure, lot. Right? Sure, sure. Of, of course. But, like, you know, That's I don't even want to get into it. that because, it. right, right. It, it kind of is what it is. Yeah. Um, so th that that coupled with the uh, I had chips behind me, it, it it makes no sense unless like she just literally never plays cash games, and she's thinking about this as a tournament with like a re-entry or or rebuy type of thing. Um, but now that refutes the notion that her and Rip met in private games. I mean, maybe she was at a private game one time and they met. That's, that's a different uh, kind of context. But um, yeah, there's like no world in which somebody who plays cash games regularly would ever not solely be focused on the EV of the decision that they're about to make. And say like, oh, well, if I'm wrong here, I have another 150 behind me. It's like, well, no, you're down 100,000. Like, <laughs> it doesn't just wipe itself clean. I think she, I, I thought when I watched that, I, I took it as she can remain in the game. Right? She gets like, she, it's not like this is like, if she loses this, she has to go home. She can like, you know, continue to play because she has money behind. That That's how I took that. Sure. I understand that. But, uh. The question that was being asked was, why did you invest more money into this pot? Mm -hmm. Right? So uh, remaining in the game is obviously worth something. But again, that's a, what you're describing is simply a tournament mindset of, well, if I call and I'm wrong, I don't have to go home. I could just reload and sit again and yeah. try to make those chips back. But you never had that, like you said, when you, like, when you play differently when you have case money on the table as opposed to when you don't. Right, so it's like if you yeah, know you have a, but I don't you, pass on plus EV decisions. 
I know, but like well, that's my point. Is like I pass on neutral decisions. Mm-hmm. So uh, this this and this decision isn't neutral. So no. like we're really just debating of like how much negative EV or how negative EV of a decision are you willing to make because you have money behind, right? Right, and that that to me. Everything like the explanation falls apart. I'm not saying that uh, it, it leads. But she's not thinking in terms of VV. I mean, probably not. But that's the whole point I'm trying to make is right, that this yeah. discredits the 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 notion that she's been playing private cash games for a year, right? And it also contradicts uh, a lot of the other things she said. Like Faraz even said that uh, when it comes to coaching, all of their coaching was centered around WSOP tournaments, and then right before this big game. They had like a crash crash course session, uh, so uh, I'm not trying to to discredit um, the things that she says. I'm more so just trying to highlight the inconsistencies that stick out to me like a sore thumb. Of course, they can be explained away. Yeah. That that's not. Uh, I'm not trying to uh, put her on the stand here. I'm just simply pointing to this and that, right? So it's like on one hand, you say that you're playing underground high stakes. Uh, cash games on the other hand you view a buy-in as uh just chips and you have more behind which allows you to stay in the game it's like you're about to make a decision for a house well it's la you're about to make the decision for a tesla (laughs) no that that seems important and maybe it's not maybe she's just that wealthy but uh i gotta tell you i've at my peak wealth, a hundred thousand's always been a hundred thousand. Just a lot. And I, if you ten x my peak wealth, I still think a hundred thousand would feel like a hundred thousand. But maybe I'm wrong. I, I'm I'm not sure. Um, I th- I think Chad kind of missed the, uh, an opportunity to press on that a little bit and kind of follow up with uh, why does the money behind you matter when it comes to making this specific decision? And I wish he would have pressed on that because, um. It, it just wasn't consistent rhetoric with, with somebody who uh, really fully understands the gravity of the situation. And I would have just liked to have heard more to see if it turns into like uh, a never-ending explaining it away situation. Because that's what I gather when it comes to actually talking about the hand itself is that she kind of feels on trial. And when it comes to talking about matters after the fact, she just seems to be pretty... Uh, unguarded i guess um and pretty uh, yeah i don't know we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it as we get into it i guess uh there's one more timestamp i want to pull up um and this was uh her explaining her post hand reaction uh i thought that this timestamp at uh 1725 did a really good job asked anybody else how you played the hand the way you did why didn't i just ultimately write then and there say i thought i was holding jack three first of all complete embarrassment and i was actually shocked I don't think I, it had even like registered with me that like I just flipped over Jack Four, but it had registered with me. If you actually look at it, let me take that back because I did flip over Jack Four, and it was absolutely ridiculous to me in my mind that like I am now confused with myself. Somebody's asking me why I played the hand that I did and the way that I did, and I could not for the life of me believe that in two runouts I won with a hand that trashy, and I ultimately felt bad about it. I was sick to my stomach that I won Jack four off with two runouts. It was like the storm that just exploded. So I thought that that was like, that was a really pivotal point of the interview for me. Um, 
because at, at first, well, like two things occur, right? So uh, at first she says that she was embarrassed and it didn't register to her that she had Jack four off, um, which is weird because those two things contradict, right? So uh, if you thought you had Jack three, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. Um, if, if you recognize now that you have Jack four, of course the shock and the embarrassment comes in. But like, if you watch her reaction, that didn't seem to be what the case was. Uh, so she then does correct it very quickly and says that, you know, it did register that she had Jack four and she was sick to her stomach that she won both run out. So um, that, that was like the key point where I thought this interview flipped and I started to, to kind of like lean into uh, a lot more sympathy for her where I put myself in the shoes of making what I felt to be a $100,000 mistake and then recognizing that I made said mistake and benefited from it anyway. Mm -hmm. That feeling, uh, she didn't really go into great detail, but uh, that feeling did register with me. Like I know that, that burning sensation in your stomach where like you just can't believe what happened. And I know it way more from like making the mistakes and losing, but even still, whenever you benefit from it, there's a sense of like shock and awe and uh, sheer and utter embarrassment that comes from, you know, knowing how big of a mistake you, you made. And I very quickly, you know, left the mindset that I just previously had of her story's not adding up. It's very inconsistent. She seems to be doubling back a lot. And even in this sentence, she doubled back, right? She started with, it didn't register me, uh, Jack Ford. And then three seconds later, like, actually, that's not true. It did register to me because now the, the narrative fits better if she says that it did register, right? And I completely forgot that because she said something that uh, allowed me to emotionally put myself in that situation. And I started to sympathize with her a lot more and I started to empathize. And then she carried further and said, um, you know, that she, uh, she had a feeling of empathy for Garrett. And so she pulled him aside and just hoped to somehow uh, make him feel better about the situation by telling him that she had misread her hand and that she actually had Jack three. Uh, she said this to him privately, I guess. And at that point I was just like, okay, this, I absolutely understand because I've been on both ends of it where like somebody did something really stupid versus me. And then they try to like placate me. And it's just like, uh, or, or pander to me in some, some sort of capacity by saying like, wow, you know, I did it for this or that, or I, I didn't even know what I was doing. If it makes you feel any better, mm -hmm. uh, I actually thought I had Jack three and I've done this to people too, where it's just like, oh man, you're going to get a real kick out of this one, but I just beat you out of 150 K because I can't read my hand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, it's supposed to make the other person feel better, but I think it really only makes you feel better. Yeah. It clears the guilty conscience. Um, from there, the rest of the story, uh, it, it, really, it really took a turn in favor of Robbie. I thought beyond describing the hand, like the first half of the interview I thought was uh, not great. I'm watching and saying like, you should not have done this interview. Uh, post hand though, I thought it took a very favorable turn for her. And this is like the appeal to emotion. Um, this is where I think... Her being a female in a male-dominated space really plays to her favor. Uh, I found myself very compelled by the things that she had to say. I found myself very sympathetic to the situation that she's in. I found myself uh, feeling a lot of empathy for the fact that she just wanted to, uh, you know, kind of fit in and be a part of the crowd. And so if it meant giving back the money in order to uh, kind of conform to the to the environment 
and ensure that there was a good show. It seemed like she was willing to do so. And uh, I kind of like, I don't know, I kind of like very loosely understood where she was coming from, like almost speaking about Garrett in a starstruck type of manner where, you know, Garrett was bigger than Ivy to her in this, in this particular instance, from the way she described it. Um, I sympathize with her being put under the microscope for something like this. Like she did everything right posthand in this interview. Uh, she answered all the questions really well. It seemed like, I don't want to say to the point of rehearse because that's not the way she speaks for sure. Um, but it seems like she's gotten very accustomed to answering this line of questioning. Uh, I was very shocked at the, the final two points, which were, one, the heads up is still on. Her and Garrett are going to battle, I guess. Uh, which, now, like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I don't understand. Like, you, you are, uh, oh, your man. best defense is that you're incompetent at poker, and now you want to take on one of the best live players in the world and play him heads up at what I assume would have to be high stakes, high enough stakes for him to care. 200, 400, 100K buy-in maybe? Something maybe she's getting free road in it. When does she care? Possibly, possibly. Uh, and then the second thing was, uh, and I actually thought whether, whether this was truthful or not, like I thought it was a really good take because it definitely sells to me that she is financially set. Uh, she said she hopes to recover the money and then just split it with Garrett to donate to their uh, to, to each of their favorite charities. So, uh, oh, and on top of that, she said she owes Rip the 135K, which stuck out a little strange to me. Mm -hmm. That's very, not how backing strange. arrangements right, work. Right, not at all. If anything, he should, he should get half. half. Yeah. At most half. At most half. And yeah. not even that. Right. Like, that would be very gracious, I would think. Uh, although, I guess, you know, he does have a case of like, well, you just gave away all of our profits. Yeah. And not all, right. but on the other side of the like park, if she had tipped I mean, if she had tipped other, a masseuse 135k <laughs> she's gonna hell? you know yeah. he's gonna be it, ivy's gonna look at yeah. him and go yo rip yeah. i got five no, I mean, if, you put, <laughs> if you put yourself in rip, rip shoes you're you're backing somebody and then this hand happens and they're like and they feel bad about it like oh man i made a mistake and i feel bad about it and just give the money back to the guy you beat you'd be like what the fuck well <laughs> right? she kind of keeps saying the fact that rip has yeah. so much money x y and z we really did have so much money, you know. Why would you ask? Why would you say you owe? She owes you. Well, I mean, yes. I think it would just more so be. Uh, it. I. I think it would just be more so cause to terminate the backing relationship. Yeah. Um. Rather than anything else. Yeah. She also said uh, he had never lost backing her, and that to me weakened her her side a little bit. Like that made me. Think she doesn't understand how poker works. Yeah. Somebody just told Backers me lose all the time. Somebody just told me that they were playing three hand or shorthanded 10, 20, 40 at Bellagio, Rip and her. Mm -hmm. I doubt she won in that fucking game. That's one of the toughest Being games in tough fucking. Game. Well, three handed if it's I mean, her. Oh, it's shorthanded, shorthanded. Okay. So I'm not sure about three handed, but like that's a tough game. Yeah. Maybe that's what she meant by, well, the game's not private, but maybe that's where she met Rip. That, that seems reasonable. Maybe. Um, hold on. Sorry. Do, 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 uh -oh. do, do. We have a TSA. <laughs> a TSA. This is not a CSA. Wait, a TSA? This is a TSA. Uh, a TSA. This is a TSA. Oh, okay. Uh, David Pete tweeted. Uh, Viffer. Yeah, Viffer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who's cheated in the poker community? Who's cheated the poker community out of more money? Jack Four 
or Alan Kessler selling pieces at markup. No, don't, 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 don't diss my man Kessler like that. <laughs> don't come for the tortoise. That's all we got to say. Don't diss my man Cordis. <laughs> we be here no, for Listen, you. listen, listen. Tor like, uh, you know, Kessler and I, he's fine. He followed me on Twitter. I saw that. Right? He said he didn't know who I was, which is fine. Hey, big you time you first. I, I, you know what? I followed him back. Oh, okay? that was I followed him very back. generous of listen, you. Listen, This is why I fucking did okay, the TSA. Help me thumb block me. Right. Help me. Uh, I'm petty. I'm petty as fuck. Help me thumb block me. Snap block me. I, I bury hatchets, but I keep maps of where I put them. I can't believe <laughs> Insta block. Oh, I can see Phil's tweets again. Uh, Fuck you. You're out. That's hashtag unreal. positivity. Hashtag positivity, baby. <laughs> now I actually have to go block them so that I don't look like a liar. <laughs> Sorry, Phil. You, uh, you're victim to the joke at this point. <laughs> That's funny. Um... <laughs> All right, uh, we, we have we have like a half hour left before I got to roll. Uh, the we don't have a half hour left. You well, know how time works. Yeah, I do. <laughs> you really know? Do you really want to miss your flight to LA? We have like at most fifteen minutes. No, it's ten twenty-five. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, I, you have to drive to the airport. Fifteen minutes. There could be traffic. Well, there, there could, could be, be a wreck. Tortoise. 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 Right. We want to see you out in those streets. Getting your ass patted down before you sit down at the table. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. All right. We have 20 minutes. My, my apologies. Um, yeah. All in all, I thought Robbie came off really well in the interview. Uh, I think she was incredibly likable, very authentic, uh, at least towards the latter half. Um, far more put, to, put together than in previous interviews. So it makes sense that she took an extended period of time where she didn't speak and then seems to have come back a lot more polished. Um, yesterday also, uh, and this was a new... A new channel for me. Um, I, I had never experienced it before, but I believe Melissa was saying that she uh, she follows them. Um, the behavioral, or sorry, the behavior panel on YouTube uh, did a breakdown of the body language of um, Robbie. Well, actually, Robbie and Garrett. It, it was very weird. Honestly, the whole video was very weird. I don't want to shit on these guys because I'm sure what they do is fantastic. Uh, but 90 minutes was a chore to get through, uh, to say the least. And Congratulations on getting through it. I watched it at 2x speed. I did too. It was still a chore <laughs> at 3 a.m. Um, but uh, I, I like the process that they went through. It, it really does speak to a lot of like what I tried to build out whenever I'm looking for tells and things of that nature. Uh, so they kicked off the, the video uh, and, and to set it up. It's a panel of four behavior experts uh one i believe uh has a background in um uh interrogation and in the military the other three had varying degrees of uh expertise in psychology and be human behavior uh so they set it up by setting a baseline and they watch an interview of robbie and faraz uh doing on a po or, or interacting on a podcast uh, i want to cut to minute 235 uh to kind of set this up guapo uh, I've got one uh, unusual thing here when she says practicing for an exam. Uh, I think the word is studying and practicing might suggest something else. Interesting use of words. And she says, that's what it feels like. There's the single shoulder shrug, right? When, and that's what it feels like single shoulder shrug. The only one we see in this clip at all, I think, and it suggests that she lacks confidence in her statement. 
But if she's describing how it feels to play the game, this becomes a very strange signal to receive here. But overall, as if, if this is a baseline, words are smooth and flowing. Her cadence is predictable. And her accessing, which is where we look to access information, Greg talks about this a lot, Anytime you're trying to access or find a piece of information in your head, your eyes are going to move somewhere, and typically on her right side. So she looks to her right to access most information, and she typically uses both hands to gesture. So whether that's baseline or not, we'll see in the next few videos, and I think you'll maybe be surprised. Scott, what do you yeah, so uh, the the big thing I want to touch on there is the latter point, the uh, accessing of information. This is a tell that, uh, you know, if you're into this kind of stuff at all, it's a cue that uh, you'll often look for, especially in amateurs. And the the general thesis is that looking to the right is trying to access truth, looking to the left is trying to access lies. But I don't think, uh, at least uh, listening to what he had to say there, I don't think that that's always the case. Um you know, for different people, it's probably different things. I don't know if it matters if you're left or right-handed. Uh, it, it's probably just, um, it's probably individually uh, different. And also, it's probably not always so distinct. Like, it's not always that you're shooting a glance one way or the other. Um, but to some degree, this could be something that we can go back and, and kind of come through. If that is at all accurate, we can kind of look through a lot of these tougher decisions where we think something else might be going on. Where are her? Where are her eyes darting to? We did see that there were a lot of glances getting thrown uh, all throughout the table and the casino floor, things of that nature. Um, so uh, I just thought that that was really critical because uh, this notion of baselining somebody's behavioral pat patterns is one that's very critical if you're interested in picking up on poker tells at all. It's useless to you to arrive at a big decision and then start looking at the person mm -hmm. if you haven't been paying attention at all prior, right? Uh, so, you know, this is something that I always encourage to people that I, I talk to uh, about this stuff is if you are intending at all to use tells in your game, it's very critical that you pay attention to the high stress moments that occur prior to you being in one and try to de uh, develop some sort of baseline on your oppositions, especially your toughest opposition, right? See how they act in a, a, a large pot, especially if there's a likelihood that that pot's going to go to showdown because you're going to get perfect information now. Right, that's a true baseline. Is you notice that uh, this person breathes very heavily whenever they're in a high stress situation. Hand goes to showdown. They have the nuts. Okay, breathing tell not going to be reliable as, uh, or, or not necessarily going to uh, equate to weakness the way that it's perceived. Maybe reliable is strength, but now you're going to have to see that spot again and see what happens if a bluff is shown or if he mucks uh, once called, right? Is the breathing tell consistent? So this is how like we baseline things. This is how we create some sort of heuristic to operate off of. Uh, I thought they did a great job outlining that. I thought they did a great job of setting this up. Now I wanna fast forward to minute 2032. Uh, this is where the actual hand comes into play. And I'm gonna play a you know, 20 second clip of the hand because there are a few things that I want people to look for physically. And you know Garrett is just so experienced. Oh wait, hold on, let me scratch my face. That's the shit I got. How often would she do this with a 10? Could he possibly bet 3-bet here? I mean, she just min-clicked the turn. Okay, so... Uh... 
what I wanted everybody to see there and what I was most interested in them discussing, which actually was a huge disappointment when they finally got around to it, was her behavior uh, after min-raising, right? And that's what you guys just saw there. So the action went Garrett bet 10K, she clicked it back to 20K, and then her behavior becomes very odd. Mm -hmm. uh, she starts talking, her posture starts leaning a lot to the left. I'm going to scratch my eye because that's the shit I have. Yeah. So everything about her physical demeanor uh, as a poker player is what we're taught to recognize as weakness. She leans away from her opposition, which is what you tend to do whenever you're in a threatening situation. You try to, it's, it's the flight sequence, right? Uh, she does this like deflection of uh, acting weak to represent strength, which is something that we always uh, kind of align with in amateur status. But in this instance, she was actually weak, right? So it's like uh, kind of the levels to it all of like act weak to appear strong when you're actually weak kind of thing. <laughs> and I wanted to hear them talk about like the rhetoric and the fake scratching of the eye and things of that nature. Unfortunately, I feel like I was a little bit let down. We're going to cut the clip 2330 uh, and, and hear what they had to say about this. Again, Joe Navarro says you can have a poker face, but you can't have a poker body. And that's what we're seeing here as well, because we're seeing she gets stressed up a little bit in this spot. And so does the, uh, so does the guy Garrett. Um, when, she, when she raises, that's when he becomes uncomfortable and he gets really still. And you can see those eyes darting around as he's thinking about what's happening. So that lets us know that, there's, that he, he believes something's – he's trying to, to – Decide what cards she has left, or what, or what she should have left, or what's left in her, in her hand. Um, his posture locks, and uh, he's he's calculating at that point. Um, then she protects her cards with both hands. So I think this is the first time we see this. It might be the only time we see her do do the two hand protection. Nobody else is doing it. Everybody else uses one. They just cover it with one hand, but she uses two. And I think she knows that this move she just did bothers Garrett. And I think the, the whole thing with the, uh, the hands, you know, with, with scratching her face and all that, I think she knows she's, she's made him mad or that something's not right there. And that, com that lip compression she does, I think that's what, for me, that was the key that said, she said, whoops, I've made, this guy, I've, I've made him mad. And I think she feels like he's the alpha in that situation and, she, and she's lower than him there at that point because she hasn't been playing forever. You know, even she was talking about that with her, with her card coach a few minutes ago. So I think she's, she's feeling the non-alpha position she has while she's trying to be alpha. I think you're right, Chase. She's got this personality she's throwing in there to, sh to, to be her card playing personality. We use personalities when we go in to interrogate somebody. I don't, I don't go in goofing around talking to them. We we're very different when we go in and do that. People go, Oh, you're so nice. You're so this. How can you do that? And you're not like that at all. When you when you do that, it's a completely different person you use. And I hate to say it like that. I hate to say that you use, but it doesn't it doesn't start like that. It, you you start with a completely different person up front. I think that's what she's doing, which makes sense. Greg, what do you got? Well, man, what do you got? <laughs> you're hearing that for the first time. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. When he said like that she made him mad. I don't know, like, I don't know what they're really trying to say there. Like, like, she, like why would he be angry that, that he's getting grazed? I, I, maybe they're just using the wrong terminology when they're trying to, uh, to decipher what's happening. So but. if I were a man to give the benefit of the doubt, which 
sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. Uh, I was watching this at 3 a.m., so I was a lot more impatient then. Yeah. I'm going to try to make a case for that fucking nonsense that just came out of that guy's mouth. <laughs> okay. Did you see my face when I was like, I was like, what is happening here? Uh, okay, first of all, uh, word to the wise, and if I can give any advice to the behavior panel moving forward, stop mentioning Joe Navarro. He is a goddamn laughing stock <laughs> in this community. Uh, nobody, nobody thinks that this guy has any value to add in the poker space, and it's because he speaks the way you guys speak. It's meaningless and, and utterly nonsense, but but I'm feeling gracious this morning. Oh, so nice I'm going to try to translate that word salad into something poker-related. Uh, what I think he's trying to say is that she recognizes that she's out on a limb and is trying to cover the fact that she's weak. So he keeps mentioning the alpha-beta relationship and that she's... Uh, she's in a position of uh, somewhat subordinates to not subordinates, but uh, in a weaker, more vulnerable position than Garrett in this instance, which does not align with her actions. She's the one taking the aggressive action, right? So I think what he's trying to say is that there's an inconsistency between the action that she's taking and her body language. And to that, I would agree. She is, she's acting, as I mentioned, this is, this is my issue with them being body language uh, experts or whatever the case may be. He didn't, he didn't explain anything. He, he didn't explain what any of the... Like, he didn't mention her leaning away. He didn't mention, like, much going on in the physical tell realm. Anything to look for as the viewer. Like, what was I supposed to look at that you are now giving me your expertise on? He just spoke generally to her overall posture and kept saying that, like, oh, it's clear that he made... Or she made him mad, and now she's trying to defuse the situation. And, okay... Uh, that came off very poorly in the amount of uh, words that it took you to explain that. But from a psychological standpoint, again, I'm feeling gracious today, so I'm going to make his case for him. From a psychological standpoint, uh, that is a thing. And that's also like a lot of the rhetoric that's surrounding her giving back the money, right? Is this notion that uh, the more feminine energy is one that is uh, accustomed to diffusing conflict and willing to kind of uh, bend, not break in order to reach a resolve, right? So in this particular instance, she, she takes a very aggressive action. And when he responds kind of cold and distant and, uh, you know, staring into her, her soul, basically, it makes her uncomfortable. And uh, sorry, I'm projecting and I don't, I don't mean to because I'm trying to just defend this guy who, who's kind of talking utter nonsense. Uh, so I want to, I want to add a qualifier here, but, um, in his perception or his theory, it, it then creates this sort of fight or flight response where, uh, her reaction is to diffuse whatever it is that he's trying to pick up on. And so she's trying to act stronger. She's trying to act, uh, more natural and it's coming off a lot weaker and things of that nature <laughs> as a whole, uh, very disappointed in the rhetoric around that interaction because that was the crux of the hand, right? What happens after he shoves is almost meaningless. Uh, what happens after the hand is over is utterly meaningless unless, unless you're using it to decipher if she's cheating or not. But I get the feeling that that wasn't exactly what the purpose of this video was uh, to be uh, in spite of them ultimately arriving at a conclusion. Um, 
she, he also mentioned that she keeps two cards on her hand or, or on two hands on her cards, not one like everybody else. And that doesn't mention anything about what that means yeah. to us. That's generally indicative of strength of something Trying that you protect, want to protect. To protect. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Yes. Uh, that doesn't mean that it's, it's, um, that doesn't mean it's super consistent. It just no. means that like, that's, that's the general, uh, <laughs> takeaway that we are taught to, uh, receive that as, um, he, uh, yeah, whatever. I'm the Joe Navarro thing. Like he kept mentioning, he probably mentioned Joe Navarro a dozen times. Uh, not just him, like the whole panel just kept bringing up Joe Navarro. It's like, man, if this is your savior, we are in trouble. How do you have a million followers? Uh, so the bulk of the show was spent basically dissecting her body language after the fact, after the hand had concluded. And I guess I can understand that from the sense of uh, trying to interpret how likely the actual hand itself was to be organic versus manufactured and potentially cheated. Um, but they added absolutely no context it continued down that path of her and garrett effectively having like uh, a non-verbal and um a, a verbal relationship that had like a lot of sub subtext to it and they were just trying to fill in the subtext via body language uh it doesn't take a, an expert to realize like garrett's off like he's upset like anybody could look at that situation and mm -hmm. arrive at that conclusion they spent an hour talking about that uh and and anybody could look at that situation and recognize that robbie is in a state of fight or flight and whether that's a byproduct of just having won the biggest pot in her life or a byproduct of having cheated in the biggest pot of her life doesn't make a difference it's still just going to be uh a, a response of fight or flight i i truly didn't mean for this to to come off as like a review uh, so critical of them but you know, it's our job to kind of suss out lying and, and detect bullshit whenever we can. And this whole video just stunk to high heaven. It's like, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of John Oliver. I watch last week tonight, every, every week that it's on. But one week he did an episode on DFS. And he was so off the mark on just about everything that it called into question in my head now Every single episode that he ever did prior where I didn't have expert knowledge on the thing that he was talking about. Yeah. And that's kind of like what it was watched, or kind of like what it was watched, kind of like what it was like watching these guys. If they were talking about two people. Okay. Uh, if they were talking about like two people uh, interacting at a grocery store, where one pickpocketed the other, then uh, I would just be like, you know what? These guys seem pretty fucking sharp. Like they're on it. You know? <laughs> but when they start talking about something that I know, mm -hmm. I, I can't help but like question their expertise, especially when it's not a certified science. Uh, it, it's just very difficult. And um, we're going to get to the conclusion now. Uh, so if you want to cut to minute 13708, Guapo, and if you could play this on like 1.25, uh, that, that would be very helpful. Um. It's the gear. You got yep. it. A minute or less. Mark, you want to go first? Yeah, just a great example of somebody who doesn't necessarily not play by the rules, but play by the established statistics of, of how you should, you know, get resource and lose resource. And so you get an outlier situation and, and people explode around it and get upset. And some people, you know, spit the dummy out there, Pram. Uh, Chase, what do you think? 
Oh, that's so close. <laughs> Thank God Zoom has this little warning that pops up now. Yep. <laughs> All right, you want to do that again? Chase, what I'm, do you got? I'm 100% sure Scott's going to edit this out. So <laughs> let, me, let me go back. Yeah, let's do it again. Oh, great. Thanks. Nobody's watching right now anyway. This thing is like an hour and a half long or something. What a friend. Thank you. <laughs> so I agree with you guys completely. That is what we're seeing here. I think we saw a, a lesser person and a greater person. And Robbie, if you're watching, send us an email. We will all four coach you. I'm volunteering these three guys. We didn't talk about this. Yeah, cool. We'll coach you on a Zoom call for the top four behavior experts on planet Earth. We'll give you some coaching and we'll make it even more badass. And we'd love to do it. Greg? Yeah, so there's a lot of things that could be happening here. Could she be cheating? Sure. If she is, you guys need to be watching out because she's going to whip your ass in poker because if she can hide cheating that well, she can hide her tails like all hell. So, yeah, if you're watching, we we um, are open to, to coaching you. But more importantly, this is a good example of paying attention to a baseline, to what somebody is normally like when they're talking to somebody they know. When somebody's under high stress and then when they come out and talk about it, there are three different ways you get to watch this person and see how she reacts. Again, if this is hiding cheating, I'm impressed and you guys are in trouble. Scott, what do you got? Yeah, I agree. She's, yeah, I don't think she's cheating at all here. I think she played the game. And like Mark was talking about in the uh, the chess cheater thing, she, she, she's an outlier at this point. She came in, and like you said, Greg, coming in, not having played for years and years and years and years professionally, did something nobody expected and, and won. Then we see this guy get all butthurt and coming whining, and she totally one-ups him and puts him in his place, makes him look bad to guys, because where did he go? He ran off because he's embarrassed. Wouldn't you be too? If somebody that you thought you were so much better than beats you, and then you act like that, that's why he's not there, because the way he acted. So, I mean, that's what. One, one point to make, we just covered the chess cheat last week, and we had a very different opinion, and he could be an outlier, but it was based on very different things yeah. so in terms of body language. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, and there's she's not cheating here. She's not cheating here. I'd put all my chips on saying she's not. In my game, <laughs> I'd put down whatever cards I got and say, yeah, I'd push them all over to the no cheating pile uh, at this point. So, yeah, I think, I, I think she... I'm just looking to see how I can get in contact with Scott. I want to put something on the tab. Oh, my God. I would bet... <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like whatever that guy says, I would just bet against. He said the opposite. Uh, that that was like the most embarrassing wrap up I've ever seen of, of something. Like, if you're just not knowledgeable about something, don't make so many inferences. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure I'm guilty of stuff like this, also. But like, I at least try. I mean, these guys like basically openly admitted that they not only know nothing about poker, but they did absolutely no research on the subject whatsoever. There were points throughout the conversation where like. They didn't even recognize what the big deal about Jack High was. Like one person had to like literally break down that you have to think about it as like a hierarchy where ace beats king, <laughs> king beats queen type of thing. It's just like, you know, it, it, that context fucking matters when you're looking at body language. You can't just look at body language with no context and make these assertions. What I found most interesting about the conclusion of them finding uh, no guilt here. Not that they found no guilt. That's whatever. Like, again, I said I'm, I'm completely open to either side being correct. What I found to be interesting is that they found that uh, it's a high probability that Hans was cheating in a previous video that they did. And to me, that makes me believe that it's uh, a sheer gender thing. Where uh, it's kind of speaking to what I was talking about earlier. Where they feel drawn to her and put off by Garrett. Because they don't know either of them. They don't have mm -hmm. the previous context that we have. They don't have the bias or the influence. Right. right? They just see a very attractive woman who seems to, by their perspective, dunked on uh, an alpha male. 
And they're drawn to that idea and heavily influenced by the idea that that could exist in the world somewhere. So this notion that her body language adds up to somebody who's on the up and up uh, as opposed to somebody who's potentially cheating, it's like, well, maybe that's true, maybe that's not. But I'll tell you, after an hour and 40 minutes, I didn't learn a fucking thing. <laughs> off of, And I, I, I really did not want to give such a critical review of this, but like, I mean, that was like so bad. I got to tell you, I'm, after seeing those clips, I'm glad I didn't watch it. <laughs> yeah i understand i saw i i pulled it up and i saw that it was an hour and 40 minutes i was like i don't have time for this uh, <laughs> it's tough I, I mean the thing is i'm gonna go watch the chess one now uh in mm. full because i i do want to see if like there are these inconsistencies yeah I, I guess my big problem is just that like if you want to sell a service and uh you know it, it's not tangible and um you know your credibility isn't necessarily necessarily scientific but you do actually have a skill set that you can demonstrate fine but you better be able to hold water then whenever uh experts of whatever field it is that you're 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 examining can like literally poke holes in every single word that you say uh to me it's just like this is all smoke and mirrors a giant magic trick to sell a bunch of academies and or, or whatever the the hell their services uh to to read people better and it's scary. It's terrifying to me that, that this stuff exists. It, it reminds me of like, I don't know. Uh, I was going to say like pick up artistry uh, and, and that whole community, but at least that's actual manipulation. At least that will get you results. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I say it it jokingly, worse. like it's not yeah. a good thing. It's, no, it it's might not be worse. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's worse right. for society, but yeah. like uh, at least there would be a tangible outcome. Like if you pay for a service, you, you can, can expect said <laughs> yeah. outcome. Like, yeah. They're they're at least competent at what they do. Like, I would I would love. I'll tell you what I would love to uh, take theirs or Joe Navarro's fucking course on body language, and just absolutely go in with an open mind. Only I mean I couldn't go in with an open mind. I'm obviously way too biased. But uh, I, I would just maybe maybe I would enjoy it to just challenge it. Uh, because I believe very wholeheartedly in physical tells and psychology and all these elements of the meta when it comes to poker. But my God, I don't believe any longer that there's actually experts in this field. Right. Or if they are, they're not on YouTube. So, that's for sure. Tell us how you really feel, Burke. I'm over it. <laughs> I'm fucking over it. I know. Old man yells at clouds. All right. You got a flight to catch. Come I on. have a flight to catch. This is true. Yeah. All right, guys, uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. I'm headed to L.A. Uh, I'm going to be on Live at the Bike for the next two days. Uh, I'm very excited to talk to Houston and Curtis about uh, a lot of the things that we've been basically talking about publicly for the last week. Again, uh, I'm trying to utilize this unfortunate event that's occurred as an opportunity to really increase security at the stream level, ensure that uh, the game integrity is always as high as humanly possible, uh, so I'm excited to uh, get their thoughts, maybe brainstorm a few ideas and and see that we can uh, ensure that the, the stream life moving forward is uh, one that we can all enjoy. Uh, I want to give another shout out to our sponsor of the week, Faded Spade. Reminder that code only friends gives you 15% off their new 3.0 playing cards at FadedSpade.com. See our YouTube show description for the direct links. Um, that's going to do it for us. Please, 
please uh, like, comment, subscribe. We appreciate you guys all tuning in and supporting us. Don't forget there's a new episode of Poker Out Loud out every Monday on Solve for Why TV. You can find that at solveforwhy.io. Uh, free two-week trial to anybody who signs up for membership. That's going to do it for me this week. Uh, as I said, I'm out of town. Um, Melissa and Christian will be here tomorrow to run the show. And I'll either be back Monday or Tuesday to be determined. Thank you guys so much. See you then. Later, squad.